Well, I have this little knickknack that I actually hate, but I've had it for years and years. It's this piece of wood. It's just you know painted to look old, and it has this admonition inscribed on it that says, "Stop glorifying busy." Now, I admit that it doesn't really fit in my eclectic style, but I keep it in the dining room, arranged with a bunch of different artifacts that are there to kind of remind us to be mindful and to be gracious. I think the reason I keep it in my gaze is because, frankly, I really don't like it. I'm kind of hardwired to be busy. I mean, busy is good. Busy is productive. Busy gets things done, right? But too often when somebody asks me, how am I doing? I just say, busy. Have you ever done that? I think sometimes that comes off as, I don't have time to talk to you. Our scripture lesson today is about being busy. You probably heard it before. It's the gospel story about Mary and Martha. It's been the common cultural trope that always sort of holds Mary up here and and Martha down here, right? But it recounts that Mary is at Jesus' feet and that her sister Martha is busily attending to the guests. But Jesus reminds all of us that few things are needed, indeed only one, and that can never be taken away. So on this Sunday, let us celebrate those things which can never be taken away. Will you pray with me? Spirit of peace and patience, still our minds and calm our hearts, that we may be present together at the feet of our Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts lead us closer to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, let me set the scene for you. We're we're going to get to that in a minute. I love that you're on it, though. Let me set the scene for you. Jesus has really two home bases in the gospel. He has the one with Peter's family in Capernaum on the northern shore of the Galilee. And he has another home with Martha in Bethany, right outside, just east of Jerusalem. And in the gospel accounts of Luke and John... After preaching and teaching and generally causing a stir in Jerusalem, Jesus heads down the road to Bethany for a little bit of downtime, some good conversation, a tasty meal, and a good night's sleep. It would be like if Jesus was sort of preaching down in Austin, right, and he came up to you to go visit you up here in the hills, except for it was downhill rather than uphill. But we can surmise that Martha's home, and it was Martha's house, we can surmise that Martha had a large home and that she was well off. There's no mention of husbands or parents or children, unlike the accounts of Peter's house. And according to the Gospels, these three siblings, Martha, Lazarus, and Mary, all seem to be living alone. I mean, isn't that odd? What do you think happened to their parents? Why are they not married? I guess the most obvious answer might be death, unfortunately. Perhaps both parents died, leaving the house to the children. Martha is clearly an adult in the story, so 
Perhaps she was married and widowed. Perhaps not. Perhaps Mary and Lazarus are still teens. Maybe Mary is without a father to marry her off. Perhaps there's a clue in the name of Martha itself. You know, Martha in Aramaic means master or lord. Not just like a mistress or a lady, but like a girl boss. I mean, Martha was running the house. Martha was in charge of all the business of that household. Martha was getting things done. And one thing we know for certain, though, is that this family loved Jesus and that Jesus loved them as well. And this glimpse into the life of Martha's unique family, it makes me wonder. I wonder how they met Jesus. I wonder what Jesus saw in them, why he chose that family, why he chose their home to be his home. What's missing in this story makes me wonder. So let's hear this familiar story again, listening to where the Spirit is speaking to us in the words and in the spaces in between. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but a few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, here's how I imagine this going down. Jesus and his disciples descend upon the house in the afternoon this is not just the 12, you all remember, the 72 have already come back. So Jesus has been just teaching in Jerusalem. He has just told that parable that we heard last week of the Good Samaritan. And now Jesus has a posse and he's coming to Martha's house and they're hungry. I can imagine Martha calling all hands on deck and they're rushing around and they're getting water to wash feet. They're rescuing bread from the oven before it burns. They're pouring wine, they're greeting friends, they're catching up with what's happening and sharing stories and quick hugs. And Martha is full of joy, her hospitality is good, the hummus is perfect, and the company is excellent. And after the meal, they begin to talk, and Martha is clearing away the bowls and filling the cups, and she notices Mary sitting at Jesus' feet along with the other disciples while she continues to work, distracted by her many tasks. The Greek word is perispio, which means to be drawn in different directions. And I think that Martha really wants to be with Jesus, but she's pulled away by the pressing concerns of hospitality, doing those things that need to be done, being a gracious host for her country rabbi and those dusty disciples. I mean, we can all sympathize with Martha, can we not? Feeling pulled in different directions, those ongoing, never-ending obligations, those of us who are parenting children, 
Those of us who are caring for parents, some of us are doing both. Those of us who are caregivers for those that we love and those that no one loves. I mean, this is all good stuff. This is good work. This is kingdom work. But when does it keep us from sitting with Jesus? Several members here at WHPC shared an article a couple weeks ago with the pastors. It was titled, Why Middle-Aged Americans Aren't Going Back to Church. And it observes that the greatest decline in church attendance post-pandemic has been folks that are my age, Gen Xers navigating busy lives and kids in school and demanding careers and increasing demands on their time. The percentage of churchgoers ages 39 to 57 who attended weekly worship, now these are described churchgoers, it fell to 28% in 2023, down from 41% just three years earlier. Researchers have likened this drop-off in attendance and involvement to the work, uh, drop-off in attendance and involvement to that workplace phenomenon called quiet quitting. In their latest book, Heralding the Demise of the Church, aptly titled De-Churching, Jim Davis and Michael Graham make this startling claim. They say, we are currently experiencing the largest and fastest religious shift in U.S. history, greater than the first and second great awakenings and every revival our country has ever had. But it's in the wrong direction. They go on to note that no theological tradition, no age group, ethnicity, political affiliation, educational level, geographic location, income bracket, none of these have escaped this phenomenon of de-churching. And a lot of people, they would describe themselves as spiritual, faithful people. They just do not believe that they have enough time to be part of a community. A recent Pew research survey asked folks where they found meaning in their lives. Well, 69% said family, about a third said their children, another 20% or so said a spouse or friends. Only 7% said that they found meaning in their lives by being part of a community. Can I get deep with you all for a minute? I believe that there is a connection to God when we are connected to each other. I mean, something happens here when we are gathered together in body and in spirit. When we come together, the scripture assures us that Christ is present among us. God is present when we are gathered in community. When we gather together, we experience the peace of God's grace. We know Christ's redeeming love, and we are renewed by God's Spirit. I remember my childhood pastor telling me something along the lines of, you know, your faith journey is kind of like crossing an ocean. You might be able to make it on your own swimming, but it's a lot more fun and a lot easier if you're in a boat with other people. Well, friends, the church is that boat. That is the boat that we are in. Maybe in all the busyness and work 
Martha just simply forgot that the reason for hospitality is community. Jesus was literally in that room with her. And maybe because she was anxious or frustrated or maybe a bit angry, all she can do is to ask him to scold her sister Mary who sits at his feet. Well, I wonder maybe if the anxiety and frustration, if that is what leads some in the church to scold others in Jesus' name. I mean, Jesus acknowledges that what Martha is feeling, what her state of mind is, and he reminds her of what really matters, that he is present with her. There is nothing more that needs to be done. I am present with you right here and now. There's no need for resentment or judgment because I am here right here and now. There's no need to be worried or anxious because I am present with you right here and right now. I wonder what things are causing you to be anxious or worried this morning? What things do you need to put down and to let go? As we prepare to come to our Lord's table, just let's take just a minute and simply name those things silently and give those to God. Let's just take a minute. So what do you think happened next in the story? I mean, it doesn't say, right? I love that about this story. It doesn't tell you how it ends. I imagine that Martha might have shrugged and sighed, maybe just trying to conceal a little smile as she puts down the dishes and goes to sit with Jesus and Mary and the disciples. And I hope that afterwards they all got up and helped with the dishes. <laughs> Friends, this story is not about which sister is better. It's not about the choice between being con a contemplative listener or a dutiful servant. It's not about who is better. It's about when is better. It's not about what is better. It's about why it is better. It's about being attuned to the spirit and knowing what is needed in the moment. When do we need to listen like Mary? And when do we need to act like the Samaritan in our parable from last week? Being a faithful servant is not about being a perfect host like Martha. It's about being open to relationship. It's about being part of a community of peculiar people with all their differences and all their hangups. It's about sharing our hopes and dreams. It's about a community continually welcoming people into God's larger story as we follow Christ together. It's about setting aside our busyness and our worry, our anxieties, our fears, our doubts, putting these things down and sitting down with each other at the foot of Christ. Because this, this is the moment this is the connection. This is the thing that can never be taken away. Our relationship with Christ 
in our connection with each other. This is a time to go, there is a time to go and do, and there's a time to listen and reflect, and knowing which and when is a matter of spiritual discernment. This fall, we have a a transformational opportunity to sit at Christ's feet together. As you heard, we are forming these prayer triads to encourage our congregation to commit to praying together for eight weeks. You can sign up on our website. We will pair you with people. You can meet however you're comfortable meeting, in your house, at the church, at a coffee shop, on Facebook or FaceTime, or on Zoom, whatever works for you. We hope that this will be an opportunity to put aside those things that are pulling us in all these different directions, to let go of those distractions and to come and join together with friends at the feet of Jesus. So what happens next? Well, for me, I'm gonna return this little reminder back to its place in my house. And I'm gonna remember those things which are most important, those things that cannot be taken away. And I wonder what is next for you. When and where will you put down those things that are distractions and sit with Jesus? Well, spoiler alert, you're gonna get to do it in just a minute. As we come to this welcome table, you were invited to set aside all those things that make you anxious, worried, distracted, and come experience this holy feast as we join together at Christ's table.